ButcherBox makes it easy and convenient to get the highest quality grass-fed, grass-finished beef, organic free-range chicken, heritage breed pork, and wild-caught seafood without any antibiotics or added hormones delivered straight to your door. For me, I love their ribeye steak with a smoke and reverse sear, their tender belly bacon, which is some of the best uncured bacon on planet Earth. ButcherBox partners with people, small farmers included, that treat their animals in the best possible way and never give any added antibiotics or hormones. When you join, you choose your box and delivery frequency. You can cancel at any time without any penalty, and ButcherBox delivers amazing and fresh meat right to your door in a 100% recyclable box. For a limited time only, get free chicken nuggets for a year and 10% off your first box when you sign up today and use the code WP. That's a 22-ounce bag of gluten-free organic chicken nuggets in every order for a year when you sign up at butcherbox.com forward slash WP and use the code WP. Welcome to Western Contours Podcast, sharing experiences, providing insight, and looking for solutions to become better hunters. We talk gear, on and off season preparation, tips and tactics, conservation, and finding inspiration in the outdoors as sportsmen and women. Thank you for joining us as we share our love for all things Western hunting. Hey guys, welcome to Tap Tuesday, brought to you by Titanium Archery Products. Dedicated archers deserve truly elite products that provide all of the performance attributes that they demand, and that's exactly what Tap delivers. This week, I sit down with Jaron Newman, creator and owner of the Hunt League app. Enjoy the episode. So we're on with Jared Newman of Hunt League. Uh, we'll talk about the Hunt League app, but first, Jared, man. Thank you for sitting down with me. I appreciate it greatly. Welcome. Man, thank you, Kai. I'm so honored to to do this. My first uh, ever outdoor podcast. So thank you for having me. Absolutely, man. I'm actually kind of shocked that you're saying that um, after exploring that app a little bit, man, that uh, I can't wait to use it. But uh, yeah, we won't get ahead of ourselves too much. Why don't you... Uh, <laughs> jump in man give us the intro um you know tell us a little bit about yourself and uh we'll get into some hunting and then talk about the app here in a bit no sure thing well i am the i'm the guy that as a kid couldn't get enough of the outdoors if i could be outside i was out there i was catching every lizard every toad every tadpole if i was near water i couldn't sleep i would hang out in a tree with a with a crab trap, seeing if I could get a rabbit to walk underneath so I could drop the trap and catch a rabbit. Like I, if I could be outside, that's what I want to do. And every animal I caught, I used to, to name Tonko because <laughs> I just thought that was the toughest name in the world. So, and I was catching animals all the time and, uh, just grew up absolutely loving the outdoors. But now my dad, he grew up, he was, his family was pretty poor, grew up up in Ohio, and he grew up as a young boy trapping and doing a lot of hunting, but he was doing it as a means. You know, he was, he was skinning and selling skins. You know, he would, you know, rejoice if they caught a mink or something. There was a lot of muskrat and, uh, you know, just 
other things that he was that he was catching. And by the time I was growing up, he was like I, he didn't have any desire to hunt anymore. He would take me fishing, but I didn't grow up necessarily like hunting with my dad. I can only remember two hunts growing up that I went with my dad: a rabbit hunt and a wild boar hunt down in Georgia. So it really wasn't until I moved out to Colorado back in 2005 that, uh, that the hunting bug really got into me. So, you know, for some people, that's a short amount of time for others. That's a long time. But, uh, ever since then, you know, it's kind of funny, but the first two years of hunting, I was really into fly fishing and I had a buddy that said, Hey, I want you to come elk hunting with me. We're going to go bow hunting. And, uh, and we were going back in these areas where I knew there was some good like rivers and high mountain lakes. And I was so excited because I was like, well, we'll hunt in the morning or hunt at night, but I'm going to fish all day. And uh, so you can imagine if you backpack in, I think we backpacked in about six or seven miles. And, uh, but I brought all my fishing gear and my hunting gear and my, <laughs> I had never done any backpack hunting. And on that first hike, you know, we, we get back in, set up, set up camp and, uh, we, we start getting out dinner, you know, and he's got his jet boil and he's got his, uh, mountain house meals. And then I start pulling out my dinner and I have canned chili, canned tuna. Cause I was like, yeah, I guess that's just what you take on a hunt. I'd never done this. I mean, I came from Oklahoma where when we went camping, it was not like backpacking the mountains. I didn't know how mat how much like ounces mattered when you go into the backcountry. I bought a Coleman backpack that was my backpack going in, and uh, on the way out from that trip, that backpack broke in half, and I just had to carry everything out. Uh, had no clue, and uh, so I had a pretty fun start to like backcountry western hunting. They like it was me and these there were three other guys but one of the guys I still hunt with every year the guy that got me into it and he uh you know he still makes fun of me and laughs for my first my first year of hunting with him the things that I brought in but uh pretty pretty good stuff but those first two years didn't even see an elk probably hiked 100 something miles between those two years of just hard back country and uh didn't see an elk and uh, which most people would have probably quit and been discouraged. Um, but I, there was something about it, the beauty of getting back there, hiking those miles, seeing places that when you're stepping foot in them, you're, you have to kind of, it, it crosses your mind. You know, am I the first person that's ever stood here? Then you always look to the left or right and you see a soda can or you see, you know, you see trash from something, but you know, it's fun when you have those moments where you're like, man, I feel like I'm the first human being to ever get to see, you know, this kind of beauty. And so, uh, you know, it got me hooked and starting in year three, ever since then, I've never had a season where I didn't see an elk, get into elk, have elk bugles, have, you know, fire and arrow, haul something out. So it's been, it's been a pretty good ride I think since 2007 of you know at least having opportunities every year that's not a bad track um, record man no but I gotta be 
I got to back that up because that might sound like I'm really successful. I have to be completely honest. I've shot some deer in that timeline. I've, I've fired one arrow at an elk ever. And, uh, and that might sound like terrible, but I've done a lot more calling and done a lot more bringing them in. So we've hauled a lot out, but, uh, a lot of that has been, uh, me being the pack mule and me calling them in for somebody else and giving somebody else that kind of opportunity, which feeds into my passion. Now, I'm probably a better guide uh, than I am a hunter. So, <laughs> so you, you brought up a few things there, right? And and first off, man, there's nothing wrong with carrying at least one can of corned beef hash in the backcountry with you. it's worth it you got to bring some kind of a reward to the end of a hard day man um yeah that's kind of a staple man some corned beef hash some crackers and some hot sauce dang it come on um yeah and then you know that 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 whole conversation man with with you know getting out there um and feeling like you're the first one to lay boots on that area and then look over and see you know a water bottle a, a soda can or something um man we can go spin off on a crazy tangent about that um but guys clean up your mess you know that i've talked to you know i talked to andrew uh schroeder uh a sasquatch fuel and that's one of the things that we were talking about uh and then tj duguay recently he said it perfectly man i you know on the conservation quick um you know clean up your shit guys you know, let us yeah. feel like that is the first boot to hit that. Right. We're going to leave it for you that way. So clean it up. No, like when I, I mean, one of my passions is, is introducing new hunters, like taking somebody out that's never been out. And the, the experience that I want them to have is something like they, they feel like they are in the wild. They feel like they're in a place that they don't necessarily belong and they have an encounter with an animal that seems almost prehistoric. You know, when you have an elk bugling in your face and you have, it's like, that's something that changes a person. (laughs) And, and the last thing you want to do is kind of walk them into an area where people have trashed it, where you feel like, man, we're endangering animals here. You know, are we bettering the environment around us? Or, you know, it's like, no, like hunting plays an important part of conservation. Hunting plays an important part of like, you know, taking care of our forests, our wilderness areas. And, you know, it's, it is a real deal. Like pick up your stuff. If you, if you find, it's always a debate. Last year I was in an area pretty deep and there was some stuff that I was like, how did they get this here? Like there's no roads. And there were, there were these camp chairs that were like metal frames that had been out there for years. The sun had already worn through the fabric. And then there was like shelving units, which is like, I mean, I'm in, I'm miles in the back country without a road. Like, so somebody had been setting up some kind of a base camp year over year up there. Cause there were some tarps covering up kind of a heap of like just human stuff. And, uh, you know, I'm back there and I'm like, I can't carry that kind of stuff out on my back, you know, but I sure wish I could. Cause you know, that that's just stuff that doesn't belong. I mean, that's a hell of a justification, right? We're going to leave this back here because we're going to be back here every year, you know, maybe in scouting season and, and you know, in season. Um, but that's yeah. a hell of a justification, man, for a guy to get that into his head that it's OK to leave that crap back there. Um, yeah. Because of the reuse. I mean, that. Uh, yeah. 
<laughs> not agreeing with that. No, I've I mean, seen it though. Uh, yeah. It, and it's just bizarre. And it's like, you know, it's like, you have to wonder like at some point, you know, their tradition of coming back here must've come to an end. And now they've just left this pile back here, you know, and it's, it's not fair to all the other, you know, public land users and, and people are going to be in the area. So, but and I don't mean to it. jump into that kind of stuff. That, that's a little bit of a tangent. You know, that's not a part of my passion, cleaning up other people's stuff. But <laughs> it, it is, uh, you know, it is a part of the outdoor experience and loving, you know, like if I could, if I could paint the picture for a new hunter of taking them somewhere where it just seems like, man, nobody steps foot. This is untouched, you know, and we live in a country that has, and I'm blessed to live in a state that just has millions of acres of national forest, national park, wilderness. I mean, you don't hunt the national park, but you know, wilderness areas. And it's just, it's just incredible. I mean, it's a far cry so, from, from your home state. Um, yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, you talk, you start talking about that opportunity, man. So yeah, it, uh, you contrast it like that. It's even more, I don't want to say more important, but it, it becomes more important for, for you because you know what the difference is. You know how yeah. those private land tracks can affect all that. And, and I really do think the whole private versus public thing was a major part of me as a boy not doing as much hunting as I would have loved to do. You know, it just wasn't as accessible. My, my grandpa had a farm outside of like prior Oklahoma that uh, I did a little bit of rabbit hunting and we would walk around looking for snakes and stuff. But I, I always loved it, but just never didn't have many opportunities for it. So, yeah, what a, uh, yeah, again, clean it up. <laughs> it starts yeah. to sound, you know, you're beating a dead horse when you say it so much, but man, it's the truth. So yeah, soapbox and tangent will, uh, will peel off, man. So, um, how did 2018 look in terms of, uh, your, your elk or your deer hunt? Well, 2018 was a year that I marked on my calendar to be spectacular. It was supposed to be a redemption year. Um, and the reason why I say that is I went into a draw unit. I burned five preference points to get into a unit. I could have drawn it with three, but I had been waiting for a couple other guys to be able to draw it with me. So I burned five points to get into a unit. And I was going back into a unit where, you know, I had told you earlier that I'd fired one arrow at an elk. And I was on a solo hunt several years ago um, where I had been back in here. And every day I was into elk. And this was when I was relatively new at elk hunting. And I just had the most incredible experiences in this area. And it used to be, it used to be you could draw it without a point or maybe one preference point. So it was, it was every year, every other year you could draw it. You know, it, it's continued to kind of climb. Uh, as far as just the demand and the number of tags given. But uh, I was going back to a place that in my mind was magical to kind of finish a job because I had fired an arrow at an elk at 20 yards and uh, saw, the, saw the arrow sticking out of the other side of the animal, had made a good shot and watched it run to about 80 yards, it paused for a few seconds. I could see the arrow. Everything was perfect in my mind. and you know, it was getting dark. 
And the, the elk kind of ran off and kind of, I heard him kind of crash. And I was like, okay, I think he's over this way. And I had a choice where I was like, I'm going to wait a little bit and I can either wait a little bit and then go try to recover this animal, or I can go, uh, call some buddies right now before it gets too late and see if I can get some help hauling this big old bull off the mountain. And so I made the choice. I marked everything on my GPS, recorded some stuff on my, at this time I had like, it was one of the kind of like your first generation phones that had video on it. So I had recorded a little video of like, here I am, here's where I shot the L, you know, kind of took some pictures of the environment and then left to go make a phone call. So I had to climb, I had to hike about a mile and a half to get up on top of a peak to make this phone call, called a few buddies. And I had three guys that said, we'll be out there. I said, look, I'm just going to pitch my tent right here. You come find me. And they ended up getting out to me at two in the morning. Uh, and then we started kind of the recovery process. And I was convinced that that bull was down within about 150 yards because I'd heard a crash and I thought, hey, this is done. And uh, we went out, we got our spotlights out. We started tracking, couldn't find any blood, couldn't find anything to track. We saw a couple prints that we knew was from the animal. And then we said, you know what? We're not gonna be able to find it at night. Let's wake up in the morning and pick up the, pick up the track. Sun comes up and we start looking and we got skunked. Couldn't, couldn't find anything. We, we hiked around for about 10 hours um, looking for blood, looking for an animal, doing circles. And it was one of the most heartbreaking experiences I've ever had. I went from the highest of highs feeling, you know, just the adrenaline rush, the excitement. I had nobody there to celebrate it with. I called these buddies. I was convinced that we were going to be packing something off, you know, and then to be like, guys, I'm so sorry. I know you dropped everything to come and help me. And I mean, that shows you the quality of, you know, find some hunting buddies that are willing to drop everything to come help haul an elk off the mountain. That's not an easy job. Like those are like, those are lifelong, lifelong friends. friends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Those are guys that I'm indebted to. You know, and it's like, no, call me any time of day or night and I'm on my way to come help you, you know? Um, but anyway, that was, that was six seasons before last year. Then I got my points and I was heading back into paradise. Uh, two weeks before the season, I was out scouting, broke above timberline and I had only about 15 minutes of daylight left. And, uh, I started glassing, grabbed a camera, and in that 15 minutes, I think I'd located 18 different elk. And then there was a group of four bachelor bulls hanging out. Three of them were six by sixes. Two of them were well above 320. And, and the, the biggest of the group had velvet just dangling down and was just like just a waterfall. I called him the waterfall bull, and I was like, that's my bull. I'm coming for him, you know, in two weeks. And uh, it was just magical. So I could not wait for that season to start. You know, fast forward a little bit and uh, I'm out chasing elk. It's September 1st and not hearing anything. No, not getting any bugles, no responses. Um, but I, I'm walking to the edge of this timber 
And then I see a cow that looks like just a lone cow out there. And I just kind of park it and sit. But sometimes when you see a cow, you know, in September, it's typically not alone. You know, like some, sometimes there's a lone cow. Like, don't get me wrong. I've definitely seen that. But I sat down there just to kind of wait. And like, as I waited over the next 10, 15 minutes, you know, here comes another elk walking through another elk, another elk. Then the first bull comes through and it's like, okay, we got the five by five here. Following that bull was another six by six. It was a little bit nicer, you know, but still like sub 300, but, but he had six on each side, you know, like good bull. And then, and then about three minutes later, you know, the daddy came out (laughs) and I, you know, at this point now I've got, I'm kind of in the, in the middle of a, like, you know, there's, I'm, I'm pretty exposed where I don't feel like I can move. There's, there's several cows and there's at least three bulls in this group. I'm sitting there and, uh, I've got, you know, I'd, I'd say a, a 320 to 340 bull in front of me, long fronts, everything's beautiful, deep forks on the sixes, everything that like you would dream of in like a draw unit. And, uh, and my inreach buzzes and, uh, it was, Hi, honey. <laughs> it was my wife <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, she informed me that my son had just broken his arm oh. and, uh, we have four kids and I knew what that meant. And I said, you know what, this is September 1st. I'm having the time of my life and I cannot wait to get back here and I'll be back next weekend and we're going to get this done. You know, I know where they are. I know what's going on. Left, uh, you know, I'd been up since three that morning, started hiking back to camp through a rainstorm, packed up my tent, packed up everything, headed back down got to the truck. And as I started driving home, I reckoned, man, I was, my head was bobbing. I was falling asleep. I called my wife and she said, you know what? I'm already home from the hospital. We got him, you know, in a splint, like they'll cast it in a couple of days. She said, there's not really anything you can do. So if you want to stay out there, go ahead. It's like, uh, you know, <laughs> I've, I've, I've been up since three. I've probably put in about 18 miles in, in that day. And I, I just didn't have the energy to go back up, but I also didn't have the energy to make the drive home. So I just parked it, slept uh, right there beside the truck, got up the next morning, made it home. But that was my most exciting moment of the 2018 season. Because after that, I hunted through the hottest September I can remember. It was so toasty. Uh, I saw elk, but it was typically from afar. Um, had another probably 305 bull that I saw at about 700 yards, got to within about 200 yards of them, but that's not near close enough with a bow, uh, to get the job done. So it was what should have been a year of redemption was, was a heartache year for me. And I put in the time, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're going to talk about the hunt league gap. I was actually looking through it just the other day because I was like, you know, how many days did I get out? And, uh, you know, I had logged 13 days uh, out, which which is more than usual, you know. So it's like I put in the work, you know, usually I can get about seven or eight days in a season, you know, some weekends and usually one. 
maybe four or five day kind of hunt, you know, get out there two, three, maybe four times in a year. Um, but last year, last year I got out chasing out, uh, you know, 14, 13, 14 days. I took my brother-in-law to an over-the-counter hunt. So I gave up some of my time in the middle of September where I could have been chasing them to take my brother-in-law. And, uh, the first morning we were out, we called in a really beautiful, mature bull, um, brought him into about 25 yards. It's my brother-in-law's first ever morning of archery hunting. He'd never, he had just passed his hunter safety a couple years before that he'd come out on an elk hunt. So we'd seen it, he'd experienced it. He'd helped harvest an animal and we helped haul it off. And so he, he kind of knew what he was in for, but when it, it's a different story when you got a bow in your hand. I was going to say, when you're behind that string, man, there's a lot to overcome. <laughs> yeah. So the, here's the memory that I have is I've got a bull that is just screaming. Like, like at first, you know, this might be a little tip or something, you know, somebody could add this into their, their memory bank. Uh, it's six Oh three. Cause you know, again, I have this Huntley gap. I've journaled it. I can go back and look exactly at it. You know, it's 6.03. We're walking this little trail in. We kind of get to the edge of a cliff and a bugle kind of sounds off. And I turn to him and I say, you know, it's just hitting sun up. Like we're just getting into, you know, we're, we're right approaching legal light. So there's a good chance that's a hunter, you know, maybe not a bull. Let's just, let's just give it a second. Cause we were in an area that we'd never hunted. We weren't too far off a road, you know, so it just seemed too good to be true. And, uh, and it's six Oh three, we hear this bugle. And I said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to give that a couple minutes. We're going to cut a little bit of distance and get a little closer. And I'm going to blow a bugle when we get to the edge here. And if it is a bull, there's a good chance it's going to either cut us off or it's going to just be respond pretty much immediately. If it's a hunter, they're going to be fumbling around for their bugle, putting a, putting a reed in their mouth, putting a diaphragm, you know, grabbing their pack, you know, and then responding. And I'm like, there's, there's typically, from my experience, like sometimes there's a little bit more of a delay when you're going hunter to hunter. <laughs> um, and so we, you know, I get to the edge, we fire off and I'm not even done with my bugle and just screaming right back at us. <laughs> I turned and I was like, this is the real deal. You know, like, like get ready. So we cut some ground. He was on an, he was on the opposite side of a valley. So we got down to that valley. We get set up. I, uh, start, start. I did one more bugle. He's cutting ground. He's getting closer. So we knew like, look, he's on his way. Uh, we're sitting tight for about two to three minutes. I grab a stick and start raking a tree. Just saying like, all right, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to act the part and get aggressive here. And, uh, and my brother-in-law, he's about 30, 40 yards out in front of me between me and the bull. And uh, I finished raking this tree. And I think, you know what? I'm going to grab – I have a camera in my bag. I'm going to grab my camera just because I'm, I'm going to see if I can get him. Like how cool would this be on his first ever morning? Let, let me get a shot of this. Let me, let me film this. And, uh, and I get the camera out, strapped around my neck, pick up a stick, go to rake the tree. And when I went, as soon as I rake the tree, I mean, I hear a stomp and I look up and about 15 yards from me, that bull had come all the way in. And I wasn't paying attention because I was just waiting. I was thinking if it's, if it's coming in, you know, my brother-in-law is going to see it. 
he's going to shoot this thing. I had been fiddling with my camera and backpack and didn't have my eyes up. And that bull had came right through my brother-in-law and was right in front of me. <laughs> and, and then, you know, obviously I spooked that bull away unintentionally. And, uh, I ran up to my brother-in-law. I said, what, I mean, what happened? Like, you know, and he's like, it, it came out of nowhere. <laughs> you know, I saw it about 25 yards from me and I didn't, you know, there was nothing between me and it when it just emerged out of the woods. And then I was so afraid to draw. I didn't want to spook. I didn't want to move. You know, I, I just froze and the bull just walked right by him on its way to me. And I'm like, Oh, oh my gosh. And, uh, and that was the last encounter that he had over his, you know, four day hunt that we had together. So, uh, that was my 2018 season in a nutshell, chasing elk. I have a whole different story for chasing deer. Did that during second rifle, but, uh, you know, we don't have to get into all the details. I mean, how do you, so we, we, we tend to say, right. And I like that you didn't right say unsuccessful or successful on that, but just that experience, man, just to have them, you know what I mean? A, a, a guy that's never been out there with a bow in his hand or any weapon for that matter, uh, 15, 20 yards from an elk, just screaming, walking by him. And you know that it wasn't just, I'm worried about drawing. He froze up. <laughs> We've all done it, man. You just freeze like, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I could not have prepared for this, man. Um, but no. that, that's awesome, man. Yeah, that I, you know, I, I'll go back to the first time. I mean, I guess it's probably the second time that I ever drew back on an elk. Um, I had a bull that was walking by. He was probably about 150 yards or something. I saw him cutting through timber and I just did a real soft cow call and it didn't stop him. He just kept walking and I sat there and debated for about two minutes. I was like, you know, what should I do? You know, should I go the direction that I saw him? Should I try to parallel him in the woods? And as I'm processing, trying to think like, okay, what do I need to do to get on this elk? All of a sudden the elk is coming back up the hill makes a hard turn and on a line starts walking to me. And, uh, and when it was about 70 yards, uh, I'm recognizing, look, he's, he's going to keep marching. So I'm going to, I'm going to draw back and hold my draw until he gets into range. And, uh, so I, I, I go to draw and I've got so much adrenaline pumping I'm having a hard time getting my release. I had a caliper release at the time. I sent switched to a hook release just because of that experience. Cause I had a hard time with my adrenaline. I was shaking so bad, just getting the, getting the caliper around the D loop, you know? And I was like, I'm never going to deal with that again. And then I go to draw and I can't even draw my bow. I'm frozen up. Like all my shoulders, everything is so tense. And I have to sit there, like shake it out, reattach, and then draw to hold that draw because I was so, you know, it's like people don't, if you've never done it, and, you know, and if, if, I guess if you just have ice in your veins and you're that kind of awesome, like <laughs> seeing, seeing a bull out come through just doesn't do anything for you. But for me, I'll just tell you, it was, I mean, I can't even describe what was happening in my body at that time, that first time, like drawback. Since then, I, I will say I have gotten better at my composure in the presence of a majestic elk. 
but but I can't say not much better. Yeah. So. <laughs> but you know, it is I'm and I didn't realize it, right? I know for whatever reason when I'm on rifle, um I get I mean, I'm shaking, I'm trembling, and I'm not sure what it is, what on bow, I just start this crazy like almost like labor breathing. <laughs> That's the only way I could describe it. Um, and I am just, I, I filmed myself last year in Wyoming and the, the breathing is just unbelievable. I was like, what yeah. in the heck is going on with me? But yeah. I'm okay. Once I'm, once I anchor, I'm okay. Um, to a point. Yeah. Right. But it is the, yeah, you I mean, get, just you, something about that. I, I agree. Something about, <clears throat> I feel like the jitters and the shakes for me with the bow is when the realization of like, this could be the moment and you start trying to hook up and you start trying, you know, you, you got everything locked, but I feel like once you get to that anchor point, it becomes a little bit surreal. Like there's a calm in the midst of the storm. Right. And I, I, I would, I would completely agree with you that once I'm anchored, that thing is done. You know, the, the very first encounter that I had with an elk, you know, I told you I didn't see anything for my first two years. The third year that I was out, it's still one of the biggest public land elk I've ever seen. Came into an area that was, it was about 1030 in the morning. We were in a real heavily, like it was really heavy forest, like, you know, just dark timber and a lot of down deadfall and stuff. And it was hard to walk around. And then all of a sudden, there was just a little spot, only about 30, 40 yards around, and it had a wallow out in the middle of it. You know, it was just a little grass spot. And I was, I was hunting with a guy that uh, it was, he'd never gone on an elk hunt. Or no, he'd gone on, sorry, he'd gone one year before. And I just said, yeah, you, you know, you can come, you can kind of call for me. He didn't have a tag for the area. And I, I lean over to him and I said, Hey, let's mark this spot on the GPS. Cause this just looks real promising. You know, like there's, there's an active wallow here in the middle. Here's a little bit of food source, you know, and we're in a pretty thick, heavy, dense area. And so as he's marking, I look to, I look over to the left and there's a bull that is like cocking his head coming in between trees, you know, like just this monster. And, and at first, cause we'd seen some moose in the area. Um, at first I was thinking, you know, oh, this is a moose, you know, coming in just cause his head was kind of down and I could see him kind of working his way through the timber. And when I realized like, oh my gosh, this is an elk. It just, it, I became thumper. My right leg became uncontrollable like just <laughs> thump 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 and i'm like what is going on like i can't you know and it's like i don't want to lift my leg and start shaking it out but i mean it was like i could not control it and what should have ended up being something i mean he was just going to go straight out to the mud it would give me a 20 yard shot he's just about to enter we're i'm 40 yards at this point from this bull i'm within my range and uh I'm knocking an arrow, getting ready. My right leg is just thumping every which way. I can't control it. And then my buddy who's sitting behind me just a couple feet, as I'm getting ready to draw, he does a cow call. <laughs> and, uh, and like, oh my gosh, all of time stopped. And that bull 
who was coming in completely just moseying on in, lifts his head full alert, looking for what should be a cow right at the other side of that meadow. And, you know, I could tell it's almost like a dog when they cock their head a little bit confused, yeah. you know, that elk kind of looked right at us, cocked its head, kind of confused. Like, well, where's the cow? Like, I just heard a cow. You're not that. And over the next probably eight seconds, he does two more cow calls. And the whole time I'm pegged, I cannot move. And I see a little bit of a twitch in his muscles. And I'm like, come on, please, please, you know, and just boom, he exploded out of there. And, uh, and I, I kind of say, you know, man, you blew it. And I kind of blamed on him. But then I said, you know what? Like, I was thumping so bad. I don't know that I could have made a shot anyway. So I'm kind of <laughs> glad I can blame that one on you. <laughs> that's, that's a rough one, man. I mean, there, and I, I want you to talk about it, but there's some rewards that, that come with that mentorship, right? Um, but then there's some risk that I don't care oh, if you're yeah. deer hunting, turkey hunting, elk hunting. Um, there's some risks that come with it too, especially when you say, hey, you can call for me. Right. If you don't talk strategy, you know, um, what what you expect from him as the caller, uh, man, yeah. I would have been I'd have been pissed. No, I'm not going to be. Well, we I turned to him and I said, what were you doing? Why'd you call? And he just goes, I was so excited. I felt like I had to do something. <laughs> you know, I was like, oh, Blow my opportunity on that elk, buddy. Oh man, that's funny. Oh, I mean, man. I've got a whole history. Like, you know, we can talk about journaling and the Huntley gap. My history is filled with more mistakes, and I have a journal so full of mistakes that people will learn. It's like if somebody could just sit and listen to the things that I've done wrong, I can show you a million ways how to not kill an elk. <laughs> uh, I mean, my my 2017 season, I took out a father and son. I took out two different father and sons. Uh, one father and son group, we got to the edge of a canyon. We talked to him and, and I had my boy who at this time he was six years old. And I said, look, we'll, we'll be out on a deer hunt. And I wasn't really expecting to shoot anything. I just wanted this guy, this father and son. He had a, it was his son's first hunt. He was 12 years old. They both had bows. They had mule deer tags. So it was a mule deer hunt, not an elk hunt. And I said, all right, we're you guys, I'll pick you guys up on the other side of the canyon. Or do you want to come back to the truck, which will be right over here? And, uh, you know, they said, we'll, we'll traverse the canyon. Long story short, it ended up being a search and rescue mission. They didn't make it back to camp that night. It was 34 degrees and raining, like sleep. You know, the only thing that was a saving grace in my mind, the, uh, the father had had some paper maps. He had had some military experience in his past. And prior to him leaving, I said, do you have you know, gloves, do you have a jacket? Do you have water? Do you have matches, you know, to start a fire? And I just went through a checklist because it's their first time they haven't done this. And I just said, look, you know, cause, cause you need, you know, you need to be prepared, you know, like in it. And you know, if you're coming to the mountains from the Midwest, or you're coming from somewhere like you got to be prepared. The mountains are king out there, you know, and they, you know, even if it says there's no rain, no snow. I mean, I've been in situations in the high country where I got about 14 inches of snow on an archery hunt about four or five years ago that wasn't on, that wasn't on the weather. <laughs> you know, it's like, you got to be ready for whatever is going to hit you in the mountains. But, you know, that ended up, we didn't, we didn't reunite with them 
I spent a day behind glass looking at the bottom of cliff edges, you know, every hour that was passing, you know, my heart was sinking. I said, man, something's really wrong here. We had helicopters flying. We had search and rescue boots on the ground. We didn't find them until about 6.30 the next night. Um, so that was, that was my, the start of my 2017 season. So you can imagine I didn't even have my bow in hand most of that hunt. Two weeks later, I take another father-son out on their first elk hunt. They had moved here from Minnesota uh, the year before. And uh, I decided, um, you know, I'd been shooting with the boy in the backyard. And he could hit a target at 30 yards. But he was his groups were about 8 to 10 inches, you know. And it's like, add adrenaline, add uphill, downhill add fatigue, add those things in, and in an eight inch, you know, group becomes pretty much like, look, we're just not going to take a shot at 30 yards. Like he's pretty limited to 20 yards. And, uh, and, but this one morning I get up and I said, you know what, this is really about them. And I had a tag, but I left my bow in the truck. Cause I just wanted to, I'm just going to make this a great experience for them. Needless to say, we're out there and the boy says, can you teach me how to do a cow call? And I said, sure. And I get out this cow call and I hand it to him and he, he blows the cow call and says, yeah, you know, that's pretty good. As soon as he finished. And I, I said that a bugle about a hundred yards from us. And I said, that can't be real. And I said, hang on that. That may be a hunter. We weren't, we weren't a half a mile away from our car or the road. And, uh, and I was sitting there kind of dumbfounded. I said, but, you know, get ready. Let's just park it. And a few few moments later, here comes, there was a little bit of like wallows, kind of like these, these heavy, thick kind of willow things, like little creek bed. And this elk comes right to the other side of that. He's 37 yards. You know, I'm ranging him. The boy's sitting there saying, can I shoot him? Can I shoot him? And I'm just like, no, you know, you can't. And it's just an ethics thing. You know, it's like... I don't, you know, this is a mature bull and I don't want to wound one. And I know from experience, you know, what it's like to wound one and not recover it. It's, it's not something you want to do, you know? And, uh, I just told him, no, you can't. And for me, that would have been a chip shot. <laughs> I watched my 2017 season fade away, you know, having taken these other guys out, having had these great experiences or what should have been great experiences should have been elk and meat in the freezer elk on the ground kind of a deal you know watch those things fade away but uh since then i've made a decision another thing that i learned is hey every time you got a tag in hand you better have a Heavy weapon, weapon. Yep. <laughs> yes, sir. so you won't you won't find me in the woods again without my bow if i've got a tag so yeah i'm i'm taking mine if i'm taking somebody out you best believe if i have a tag that bow that rifle slingshot it's it's right there man yeah it is right there so, so that's kind of sounds like your arch nemesis <laughs> that's that's what did what, what, you say there i said that's kind of like your arch nemesis it sounds like man man it is it has been for sure but i think at some point all of this learning all of these experiences are going to start lining themselves up for a lot of years of just you know, great success, both personally and just taking people out, you know, part of, you know, part of where we're getting ready to go is, you know, jumping into this hunt league app and some of the inspiration behind it. I've been hunting with the same guy since uh, 2007. 
Um, and, uh, you know, through the years, we've had some really great years together. We've had some really, really difficult years of heartache and, you know, getting so close and then walking away. We've had, uh, two years ago, he was, uh, you know, he had shot an elk twice right through the chest and we tracked that thing downhill for over a mile over the course of two or three days, just finding like we would lose blood and then eventually pick it up. And at this point we know, man, you know, we've lost the meat, but we still want closure. And we, we keep pressing, keep pressing, end up just having to, to leave after about five days. We, we couldn't, we couldn't find this. Like, how do you not find this? That's a tough SOB. That's what they are. Oh, I mean, it's crazy. And, uh, you know, we got so disheartened. I, I mean, you know, not, this is one of the toughest guys I know, you know, like this is a guy that, you know, eats CrossFit for breakfast, you know, kind of a deal. Like he, he, he hikes hard miles, you know, through injury, through blisters. I mean, we've been like, and, and we're going deep, you know, like we're in the back country and we're pushing it. And, uh, you know, as we're, as we're coming out, the emotions of, you know, success and then not recovering and so much hard at like looking and not finding, you know, like, it was, you know, we came out with tears kind of a deal, you know, like all the emotion. I mean, you just have nothing left after you've given it all. And I mean, that was, those things are hard, but you know, we come back from some of those experiences and it's like, all right, what, what can we learn? You know, what did we learn? Like, how do we do that different? And the year, the next year we went back into that same area and probably about 150 yards above where he shot the elk, we found a dead head that we believe to be his elk. And what's crazy is that sucker had run probably a mile and a half downhill. And we think, you know, he probably, the blood stopped, you know, and then he was heading back to his bedding area. And I think he just looped right back around, went up, bedded down right above where we shot him and expired up there. there. And we, and we never, we never went high. We never went back to that area. We just followed the blood and we circled where we saw last blood, you know? So I I learned that lesson last year, man. Um, Yeah. And, and it was a hard lesson, but yeah, kind of the same thing. You know, bull bull took off down to a to a drainage, and we man, we looked in that drainage for shoot a day and a half. Um, up on the other side, didn't find anything, and then uh, you know, looking for magpies, and saw the magpies come out. We go back uh, where the magpies come out, man, and uh, lo and behold, there he was. Uh, you know, and he just did the same thing. He did a big loop, and when you look at you know, if you look at my onyx, when you see where we found them versus where I shot him, when you look at the pin drops, I mean, he was bedded. That's exactly where we heard him bugling, right? If we were to pinpoint that noise or try to at least, um, yep. he went right to his back to his bedding area, man. Yeah. I mean, if they, and I, I would just say, I mean, what you and I just discussed, that's something every elk hunter, you know, maybe first time tracker needs to know before they walk out of that area. 
you know, before they just give up hope, go back to where you heard them because there's a good chance that, I mean, that's where they're safe. That they know those hills and they know that they know those spots. You know, he went back to where he felt safe, back to his bed, you know, and it's like, man, you know, that it's a tough, I mean, it's hard because you feel like, no, that elk is dead. And I saw him go this way. So he's got to be in this area. He must have bedded down. You know, so it, I, I get it. I understand why we get stuck looking in an area. You know, it's the last sign. It's the last place. But, you know, before you just clear out of there, you know, do due diligence and head back to where you last shot it or, or heard him or you knew where he came from. Hard, hard lesson. So, yeah, let's talk about it, man, a little bit. So, you know. I was I was just kind of poking fun at you a little bit with the arch nemesis thing, but a lot of that <laughs> a lot of that time is spent, you know, with that that mentorship, right? And and there's some pretty big rewards that come out of that, man. Um, not only the rewards personally, but introducing someone else to this thing that we're so passionate about, right? Um, and bringing someone else in. Uh, here we go with the cliche stuff and increasing those numbers, um, you know, better sure. supporting our community at, at large. Um, so why don't you talk a little bit about the mentorship, man, and why, and why you, uh, enjoy that so much. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it's a longer story with that in the sense that I grew up, I love the outdoors. My second, kind of my second, actually kind of first passion all growing up. I wanted to be a professional baseball player. I spent my high school years you know, pursuing baseball after I, I, I played at a division one college. And you'll notice if you download the hunt league app, you'll see the icons are almost all in the same shape and it's the shape of home plate. <laughs> Somebody may not notice that, but that's just my, I I'm putting both my passions right there on the line. Just saying, look, I love baseball. You know, I want to, I want to reach home plate. You know, that, that's kind of the, the goal, the target. And so you'll see that kind of echoed all throughout the app. But when I stopped playing ball, I got into to coaching baseball and started kind of mentoring young people without knowing it. I didn't realize kind of what I was doing, but uh, I, you know, I had a, I had a pastor that was in Tulsa who had a son on the team and you know, and that son's actually a big hunter now, but he, uh, he just said, man, I love the way that you've been pouring into the young men on this team. And I didn't really think anything of it. You know, it just kind of came natural for me. And he's like, would you consider, you know, coming on and being a youth pastor at our church and like helping with teenagers in our city? And so I got started like mentoring and pouring into teenagers, investing in them, you know, back in 2001, just two weeks after I got married. And, uh, and spent 12 years working in a church environment, working with young people. As soon as I left there, I started coaching baseball again and coached at a high school here in Colorado Springs for four years. And uh, mentoring people is, you know, like if there's something that's above hunting as a passion, it's really just investing in people. You know, I love investing in people and seeing people grow and thrive and coaching people like that's that's just in my nature you know so through the years one of the best ways i feel like to connect with people has been to get them disconnected from the world that they're in and take them to you know this magical place the national forest and the woods and show them something that they don't get to see all the time so 
that's been, you know, I've used the mountains and I've used the woods as life lessons for years, you know, teaching kids to persevere when stuff gets tough, when your body's telling you to quit or to do something or to take a shortcut, like learning how to like, you know, we use this first Corinthians nine twenty seven. like I beat my body and make it my slave. You know, we use that verse with them and just talk to them about like, now we're going to, you know, like we're going to learn how, when your body's telling you to quit, how to push past that, because, you know, we, I use this model with these guys, like how you do anything is how you do everything. And I'm like, look, this is going to get tough. This may be the hardest thing you've ever done, but we're going to survive this and we're going to get out of here. But what I want you to learn in the process is, you know, if you quit on this, you know, what else are you going to quit on? You know, like when your marriage gets tough, you're going to quit on that. You know, when, when your education gets tough, you're going to quit on that. When, you know, it's like sometimes there's things in our life that we got to fight for and teaching kids how to like, you know, taking them to the mountains, there's a testing ground, there's a proving ground there that, uh, that I have used through the years. And, you know, when, you know, we, I know this part of this podcast is about conservation and just about how we, you know, uh, can teach that and live that out. And for me, a lot of that is pouring into these young people, knowing that these are guys that are going to help fight for it. Cause once you experience it, all your you, you recognize there's something worth protecting here. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and it's like, unless, unless somebody sees a value in it, they don't protect it. You know, like if you come and try to steal my wallet, I'm not going to let you because it's valuable to me, you know? And it's like conservation and how we pass that on is teaching people the value and showing people the value where they begin to value it. And as soon as they begin to value it, they'll begin to protect it. Um, yeah. And I really like that. How you do anything is how you do everything. Um, and, and here we go. I always feel like I'm saying cliche stuff, man, but <laughs> everything is so easy for us to attain nowadays for the most part. Right. It, it's yeah. at our fingertips, right? You can get on your phone yeah. and have just about anything you could afford or want, um, you know, on its way to you. Um, you know, drive down the street, you got 20 options to stop and grab some food, be at grocery stores, fast food, etc. Man, when you get on the mountain, all that is gone. Like, as far yeah. as I'm concerned, that proving ground, I don't know if there's one better, man, especially for a young mind. Yeah. No, there, there's something that, I, like, I can't reproduce what a mountain can do. You know, like I, I, I can't bring them into a classroom. I can't bring them into a lecture. I can't, you know, I can't go into somebody's home and walk them through that kind of life lesson. You know, it's like, it takes a mountain. It takes a hill, you know, it takes a fight, you know, and it's like, those are the things that I feel like shape, you know, us as young men and young women. And, uh, you know, and that, that's, that's a, you know, you ask kind of how do I get involved mentoring in my past, you know, and over the last, 10 years, you know, I, I bet I'm close to walking about a hundred people through their hunter safety courses, you know, and some people are probably gonna get mad at me for that. I'm like, man, I'm just filling up the woods and taking away spots. Oh, well, you know, but, but it's like, no, like I'm, I'm building up a generation that's going to value these things and help protect this for future oh, generations. Man. You know, that's, that's the way I see it. Yep, Good on you for that one, man. There is absolutely nothing wrong. The guy that has a problem with that, um, uh, yeah, I got a few choice words for him. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know what I mean. I mean, hunting dies. Hunting dies with their generation. Yeah, absolutely. You know, if we have a problem with it, it's like, you know, it, it's a selfish way to live this out. Mm -hmm. 
Absolutely, man. Yeah. Like I said, good on you for that one, man. I just had to get that in there. Um, so journaling, man, I, I love it. Um, I know I got some buddies that are way into it and, uh, you have an app that you've been working on for quite some time man, and, and that's how we connected. Um, I'm excited as heck about the app. I'm excited to put it to use and be able to tie all my journaling and data uh, in one place. So why don't we get into Hunt League, man, and, you know, drop a little bit on on Hunt League and what you're hoping to uh, achieve and what it's offering at the moment. Yeah, I'd love to. Well, there's three principles that kind of drove, you know, like what Hunt League is and what's behind it. And, you know, it's kind of cliche, like you say, you know, there's three C's that I've kind of developed is confidence, community, and competition. And uh, the idea of confidence and like why, why the app kind of helps build that is, look, I want people to be able to go in and journal and know like, what time did I see something? Where did I see something? What did I see? Take photos of it, take videos of it, add audio notes, you know, create opportunities so that like the next time you go back, Every time you go to the woods, you're bettering your chances of success because you're you're not you're, you're taking the lessons that you're learning in the woods in real time, and you're preserving them. You know, I, I miss and I feel sad. I was a couple years into hunting before I started journaling because I started to realize like how much I was forgetting and how much I was leaving in the woods. And you know, my first two years, I was in a unit that I since have never returned to, and. I can't even tell you where in that unit I saw things. It's like, man, I remember going to this one area specifically that was high up in the back country and everywhere I walked, there was so much elk sign. And it's like, but I didn't see anything that one night that I was there. And I wish I would have had the Huntley Gap so I could have recorded that, taken some photos of it, because that would be a place like if, if one of my friends said, hey, I'm thinking about hunting this unit, where would you recommend I go? It's like, let me tell you, and I could share that. I could share a hunt log with them. I could share the information. I could share GPS. I could share notes. I could share whatever, you know, and I've designed it like where with the idea of like, first is like confidence. I want people to begin to develop confidence because they know where they've been and it helps you know where you want to go. You know, like looking back at your past, you know, knowing where you want to go. The other part of it is in the app, it gives you an opportunity to kind of log all the gear that you're using. You know, what, what broadhead are you using? What site are you using? What bullets are you using? What gun are you using? You know, what length of barrel are you? You can make a note about just about anything. You know, what scope was I using? Did I like using, you know, a three by nine or did I want something that reached out a little bit further? Did I want a four by 16 or like, you know, what did, what you can make a note of all of those things and be able to look back and, not only that, but in time and as there's more users, there will be a little bit more like there won't be like shared data as far as like locations. That's that's always going to be private. Like, you know, if, if this was like a public share as far as like where, you know, where Jared hunts and where Guy hunts and those things, like nobody would use the app. I wouldn't use the app. You know, like I'm not trying to give away like, right. like no, go work your tail off and go find those spots. Like get some boots on the ground, go, go beat up some boot leather and earn it. You know, that's, that's definitely my opinion because you learn more in the process of finding those spots. You know, you learn what to look for, what not to look for. And it, you're going to rob somebody 
of the learning process if you just tell them where to go, you know? Yeah. And so I, I don't mind if they're with me walking them in and pointing things out and helping expedite that process for them. But, you know, like just to send, you know, just to have a public forum and say, hey, you know, here's a picture of where I shot this deer, where I shot this elk, you know, like this is a great spot. Go back there and then see it get flooded. It's like, no. Um, so confidence is kind of the first point. Community is the second point because uh, I, I love hunting, but I love taking people as I've already kind of said, but I, I love going with some of my closest friends and there's something special about it. You know, something that we like to do with like our little group of guys that go out is we'll do kind of a, we call it like a spring training where we get together, we'll shoot bows and we will, we'll talk about, all right, where are we dreaming about going? Where are we talking about applying? Who wants to apply together? You know, and like, are we burning points? What are we doing? You know, so we do kind of a little spring training event where we get together just before the draw, which out here is in April. So, you know, usually, usually early March, we'll get together and kind of do our spring training event, you know, right before the season kicks off, we'll do, we'll do like a, a competition with each other where we get together and we'll, we'll do, you know, five rounds of different kinds of shooting, you know, we'll, we'll shoot at different distances. We'll shoot at 20 yards. See who gets the closest group. We'll, we'll do some stress tests. The guy do 20 push-ups sprint to that water tower and back and then you have to fire three arrows within 30 seconds you know like that kind of thing and like see you had the and it's different distances you know like putting putting you through some of that and then we and it's all just for fun you know it's just like hey let's make sure our bows are dialed in we're ready you know and uh kind of dial it in i love the community aspect something we built into the app is you know you can you can find buddies if you've got a friend that doesn't have the app, you know, you can download, you, you know, it'll pull up your contacts and you can send an invite from kind of the community page. So you can invite all your buddies from within the app. Once they've kind of accepted a buddy request, it's not like a social media where there's just a follow. Um, like I can, you can choose to follow somebody in the app and like see their pictures or it'll like update. Like when somebody's done a hunt, it'll just say so-and-so completed a hunt. But there's, there's a couple layers to the community within the app. There's, there's kind of a, a basic follow, but then there's a deeper layer, which is kind of a buddy. Like, and I don't want to have like a million hunting buddies in the app, but, but you kind of create, these are buddies. And once, you, once you've sent a buddy invite and a person has accepted it, at that point, you can send messages within the app. You can share a hunt log with the person, say, here's where I was, here's what I was doing. And you can, by default, the app is going to send a hunt log without GPS coordinates. There's a little toggle switch at the bottom next to it. Like it shows you who the people are that you've shared it with. And then you can flip that toggle, which will turn on GPS coordinates. So then if I shared a hunt with you, I can choose just to share the journal with you, which, which might have pictures, might have, this is what I saw. This is what I heard. These were the events of my day, which is really great just to look at and just say, man, that, that looks like an awesome day. You know, those are great pictures. That looks like a ton of fun, but it's not giving away something that you don't want to give up. And then at any point, you know, you can just hit a delete button. And then the next time you kind of log into the app, that will not, you know, be present. So you can, you really have control over what you share, who you share it with. Um, but there's a community piece, you know, like when you finish a hunt, you have an opportunity to kind of post a photo 
And we have it designed where it'll give a little hunt recap to say, you know, you saw this many animals or you, you did this. It'll kind of automatically generate something, but it doesn't give up any location data. It doesn't give up anything. It just kind of gives it, posts a picture of what the, what the hunt looks like and lets other people see, well, what's happened around the country or what's happening with other hunters. And uh, you kind of check out the community section, but community is a major part of hunting to me. And it's also a major part of the hunt league app. Um, you know, another thing you can do with the community is you can create like a hunting party. So it's not just sharing something with a buddy. It's like, you know, if there's me and three other guys that are all going to hunt together this year, we can all be a part of a party and then we can kind of send group messages, share hunt logs, like with our group, you know, and, and kind of have a group aspect. Um, last part of it is competition. Like I said, kind of like our preseason drill, you know, where we run through the ropes of like doing little shooting competitions, having fun together. Uh, you know, we would come back sometimes after a year after the season's over, like our, the last event that we kind of do as a group is we kind of do a celebrate the win and, uh, we do a big dinner together. And usually, hopefully somebody from the group has been successful and we can all share, you know, some elk meat or some deer meat, you know, cook it out on the Traegers and all like, you know, just enjoy a night. Everybody's having fun. And we're, we're sharing the stories. We're sharing the biggest blunders. We're sharing the biggest success moments. We're sharing our favorite memories. We're sharing the things that we learned. And we do that kind of at our, at our postseason thing. But about three or four years ago, we were doing kind of a postseason recap kind of celebration together. And, uh, we started talking and there was only one guy that got an elk that year. I got a deer that year. And we were, we were laughing about the different stories, the different blunders, but we started kind of, you know, just as sometimes guys will do, we started kind of competing with each other as far as like who actually had a better season, even amongst the people that were technically unsuccessful without filling their tag, you know, like who, who saw the most animals, who had the closest, like, I don't care how many you saw, like who had the best encounter, you know, like who, who got the closest, you know, and we started like, you know, kind of dialing up the competition. And I said, all right, it was part of the genesis, honestly, for building the app was like, we need a way to log these things and track this stuff. <laughs> and, and we're going to compete with each other because there's going to be years where we're successful. And it's not about the size, you know, traditionally it's going to be like who had the bigger animal, you know, and for some people that matters, that's not really like what I'm in this for. It's not. And the other guys that I'm with, we're not trophy hunters. That's not like our, like if you get a big bull, like awesome, you know, like it does an encounter with a giant bull do something different than it does when you're with a raghorn. Yeah, it does. Like it does something when you're in the field, in the moment. And it's not because I want one more than the other, but it is because, I mean, it's just <laughs> like, you're, you're standing next to this prehistoric giant elk and it, it just takes your breath away. It does something different to you. So, but we just talked about like, man, we want a system where we can kind of compare both our seasons. Like, and right now in the app, we're not quite there as far as like what I want, what I want to have built in in the near future is like, you can look year over year and see what were my better years as far as like, because everything you log in the app starts tracking that there's points associated with it, you know? So when you enter a note, when you enter a picture, when you enter a sighting, when you have an encounter, when you take a shot, when you log success, when you go back and forth, there's, there's one thing called 
like we, we have an icon that's called CDSB, which stands for calls, scent, decoy, and bait. It's anything that you use in order to draw the animal in. You know, I'm using a call, I'm using scent, I'm using bait, I'm using a decoy, something that you're going to employ in order to draw the animal in. Well, in the Huntley Gap, you know, you can log your call sequence. You know, like I can push a button and say, you know, I bugled and then I heard, you know, a couple cow calls, then I cow call, but then I heard a bugle and you can record your sequences. Or if you're trying to get a bull in, you know, over time, you can say, man, where did I make a mistake? Like what changed in my sequence? Where did I lose this thing? And you'd have the ability to kind of track that, which I love. Some people may say, man, that's just overkill. And who no wants way. to be holding their phone? You know, who wants to be holding their phone during a hunt? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, not me. Like, for real, not me. Like, and if you ever miss out on animals and you ever miss the hunting experience because you're glued to your phone, then shame on me for creating this hunt league app and shame <laughs> on you for being so sucked into it that you missed the point of the hunt, you know? But it is, it is something where, like, I've used it turkey hunting this year. You know, like, I got into some goblin. And, uh, you know, I'm logging what I'm doing, what, what the animal's doing, because I want to learn. I'm not a very good turkey hunter yet. Turkey hunting in the mountains is tough. And it's like, I want to know, like, did I make a mistake to shut this bird down? And just, you know, and sometimes you'll never know the answer to that. But the only way that you're really going to know is like taking notes of this and starting to put this into practice and going back and reviewing this stuff from year over year. I want this stuff to help make you more successful. So we've got all these different things. And every time you log something, there's points. And so what's going to be fun in the years to come is if you go out on a hunt, you'll be able to look and see like, how did my day compare to all the other hunters that were out in the woods today? You know, like, and there's a point system that gets associated. And you can look at a specific day, you can look at a specific season, or you can look at like a lifetime and see you know, like you enter your experience, you enter. And that's not something that I like. It's kind of like the fantasy football for hunting. But uh, is that like the main reason why we do it? Like, no, not at all. Is that a, just a fun element of the app and something that, you know, it's like, does it matter to anybody? Should it matter? It's like, no, like, is our point system like subjective and probably totally bogus? Like, I'm, you know what? Since sure. you said that, I'm calling BS on that point system because I log <laughs> <laughs> I log my stuff, man. I got greenhorn. I was like, "What the heck's going on here, man?" Okay. <laughs> no daggum well, greenhorn. <laughs> yeah. So let me let me give you a little bit more context then, because you can go back and edit some of that. But uh, the highest you can get from an opening experience, because it'll ask you to choose, like when you open the app, when you download it, it'll say, "What's your primary species?" You know, because a lot of people say like. Like for me, I would say like, I'm an elk hunter. You know, you might be a deer hunter. You might be a duck hunter. You might be, and there's, there's a lot of different choices in there for you. You know, if you're a pheasant hunter, you know, you can choose like, what's your primary species? What's your passion? What do you want to pursue? And with the app, you kind of, you select one primary species and you enter your experience. Like what's your experience hunting this? Now you can go back in and edit that and change it and see how that affects your point system. But it's like the number of years you've hunted, the different types of methods of take that you, that you've taken an animal with, you know, that it asks a couple kind of basic questions just to give you an establishing score. Well, the, uh, from the experience side of things, the highest you can ever get is hunter one. 
after Hunter one, and nobody knows the levels, you know, there's, there's a novice, then it goes greenhorn one, greenhorn two, greenhorn three, Hunter one, you know, so that's kind of that, that last tier that you can get just from entering past experience. After that, all the points in the system have to be earned. So you could be a professional guide and have hunted for 50 years. And the highest you're going to get as an opening rank is Hunter one. And then I say from there, you know, prove it. Right. <laughs> no, that's, that, that's, so, that's a plus. Yeah. I was so, laughing when I did that, man. I, you know, I did the initial input when you sent me the app and everything. And, um, I, uh, I did the initial input and I, I think, I think when it, when I first put it in, it was like at, I thought it was over a hundred. Maybe it calculated or something. I don't know, but I could have sworn it was over a hundred. I thought it was like one fourteen or something like that. And then uh, I peeled off of it, you know, going back in and playing with it and whatnot. And then it went down to like seventy something. And uh, I was like, "Eh, what the heck's going on here?" <laughs> and looked at it again, man. And it's been holding strong. And I think it has me a greenhorn three. Let me see. <laughs> hey, that's not bad. Like you, you need one more thing to bump you up to that number one. And you're uh, you can, you can feel a little bit more proud of yourself. All you, the, the cheat system is going to be go back in and add some experience for some other species. Go add your elk experience. If you go into the hunt log section, there's a bottom menu that has experience in it. Mm -hmm. And uh, you can go add experience for all the other animals. Doesn't matter how many animals you add. Eventually, you cap out at hunter one, uh, like is your overall. But I like it just because it's like, man, it's just a way for me to keep track of, of everything. You know, right. like I want to know, and, and I, it's not just for me. Like I, I want to build this because this is going to be a journal. This is going to be a, something that I can pass on to my boys. And I want them to know like, man, dad used to tell us these stories of being back in the back country. Where was he? Where did he experience this? What did he see when he was there? And they would be able to go through these journals and they'd be able to look at these entries. They'd be able to look at the locations, the time of day. And, you know, over time, I'm really interested to see, like, how do things change? You know, like, with the introduction of new technology, does that put a different pressure? Do we learn new things about the animals? As they regulate units differently, you know, and either expand the number of tags or decrease the number of tags as they introduce or reintroduce wolves in areas, you know, like what happens to these traditional spots that, you know, used to hold a lot of elk and now, you know, maybe they're not present anymore maybe they've relocated or like you know how does it change their behaviors how does it change their patterns and i think the only way that we're truly going to be able to start seeing and understanding that is through journaling you know it's through recording that data and i think some of the best science and discoveries that's going to happen in the future is going to be not because we put three scientists out in the field to study that but it's going to be because we sent a couple thousand hunters into the woods that have journaled that and we'll be able to document and show that over time. I know one of the, so yeah, you brought a couple of things and I don't want to miss them. So, you know, going through it and then listen to you right now with the, with the community part of it, what seems like one heck of a, a use for the tool or the app is to use it as a scouting tool. So if you got a group of three or four guys that you're planning to hunt, you know, uh, this season with and I'm going out scouting with one. Another guy goes out a different weekend. We can all log those scouting trips, come up and say, okay, I found a rub here. You know, I got into track here. I got into, you know, a deer, a couple elk here, a cow, whatever. Um, record all that. 
and then compare those notes. And then when it's time for opening day, um, hey guys, what are we doing? You know, this is this is what I came up with. This is what I came up. With. Okay, hey, boom. You know, you you hit this, uh, Jared. Let's go to your area. It looks better than than what we looked at in the same general area. Um, I didn't even think about it in that sense because I was going to use. I was supposed to go out last week, and I told you and use it um, on scouting. And just so everyone understands, for me, it's more than just the journal part of it, right? I, I mean, that's a big part. I like my journal. I like to write in it. Um, it gives me that data. It tracks that history, right? Those thoughts on the mountain, et cetera. My journal is a little bit deeper than this is what I saw, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and that comes from, you know, my buddy Luke Elifritz, man, with with his uh, with his journaling, that full experience. But being yeah. able to tie in... So right now I use my my journal and I use my Onyx primarily, right? And then what I'll, I'll yes. come back and I'll, ma I'll mark my paper maps, blah, blah, blah. Um, with this, I'm able to do all of that in one place, right? My journal entry, yeah. waypoints. Um, I could take a picture of said rub, right? Or take a picture of said wallow um, and, and have it in one place and boom, right there, right? I mean, it just... When I first started exploring the app, I was like, okay, I was pissed off about the greenhorn thing. <laughs> <laughs> it started a little rough. <laughs> um, but man, the, the completeness, the completeness of the app impressed the heck out of me. Like I'm super excited to, you know how you, you gear junkie out or you tool out or whatever it is, but I'm like, oh man, this is, this one's going to be great for that, that bag of tricks, man. Um, yeah. I was super excited to use this app, man. Yeah, I mean, the, the thing that, like, you know, somebody that, that nobody's heard of Hanley. You know, I can, I'll say that to you. I'll say that now. You know, we can mark the date on the calendar, say, look, nobody's heard of Hunt League. I think in a few years from now, I think a lot of people have heard of Hunt League. I think a lot of people are going to use it. Not because we necessarily have, or I necessarily, this is self-funded. This is my passion project. This is something that, like, man, I've just poured myself into for the past two years. And I'm building a tool that I want to use. You know, so if you're, if people get frustrated kind of about like the user interface or those things, I'm like, yeah, you know, like this is how I see it and this is how I like to use it and how I work it. Over time, I know I'll adapt from getting feedback from people. So I want to invite every listener, you know, download the app, give me feedback. I'm listening. I've been able to adapt stuff. You know, I, I had a guy up in way up in uh, Canada send me something say hey is there any way that you could add arctic fox to your to the list of fox species you know and i'm like yeah you know what I, that that i can do you know he asked me for muskox and i said that might take me a little bit longer <laughs> you know like um, and uh so i am listening and i'm implementing feedback as i'm getting it but uh there's a know, feature button on there right so there's a there is an actual button in the slide over menu that yep. is basically like a feature request yep Right. And that's that's how that guy reached out to me. His you know if you, his Arctic Rob is his his username in the Hunt League app. Arctic Rob sent me something. He's like, I love trapping. You know, could we could we do, add trapping in? Could we add Wolverine in? And like those are on those things that he said are on my list. And it's like that'll be future development. It's not my top priority at this moment, but it's like Arctic Rob. Like I'm listening. You know to you and I'm making notes of this because it's like, no, if these things are important to hunters, I want to make this a tool that, that you guys can use uh, and that, that everybody's going to enjoy. You know, I'm excited about this next development. What I'm working on right now is being able to add like 
you can add like an area in where you can drop a waypoint that represents like this is an area. And then within an area, you'll be able to log like what's happened instead of just logging the specifics of this event, meaning like this sighting or this sound or this sign, this rub, you know, happened right here. Here's a picture of it. It'll, it'll mark everything that's happening in that area and give you some data on like how much activity you've encountered through the years in a specific area or, or during a specific season. That's the beauty of adding the journal component to a digital because you're going to be able to filter that information so much better. I mean, I have these right in the rain kind of journals. I had a paper journal in my first couple of years and got rained on and it got ruined. And so then I, I went, I found this right in the rain. So like, I, I want to be able to journal. I don't want to lose this stuff. So I started doing that, but I just found it cumbersome being able to go back and actually learn from it. And I found myself not referring to it because I couldn't find the information the way that I wanted to see it. So I, it's kind of like I built this so it displays the information. It's Things are listed chronological. I can go to my hunt logs and say, just show me the activities that I rated you know, 50% to 100%. There's like an overall score that you give an activity. Like, so a hunt or a scout, like how was this scout? And you're going to rate it on a scale from zero to 100. That doesn't affect anything in the point system. It's just a, like, what was it like for you? You know, because you've had some hunts that just suck, you know? And it's like, that was, I didn't see a thing. I walked a ton of miles. It was, I was miserable. And, you know, rated a five, you know, but then you go on another hunt that's just absolutely magical. You were in animals all day. You got to experience the wild. Even if you're not successful, you know, it's like, man, that was 95%. That was more than what I could ask for. And you can go in and kind of sort, like, just show me my favorite hunts. Show me the worst hunts. Show me, you know, just show me my elk hunts. Just show me my deer hunts. You know, like all of that stuff, you'll be able to kind of filter or you, you'll remember like, man, I, I just want to look at my 2016 season. So you can go back and like, just pick a year and it'll just show you the hunts from that year, you know, that kind of thing. Um, so the digital component, and it is all thought through where if I, if I log something like a sighting, if I'm out on a deer scout, I don't know, are you scouting for deer or elk or something else? I'm both. The the okay. recent the recent is going to be there here at home is going to be my deer. That's what I was supposed to do last weekend. Okay, so when you go out and you you know you you're going to enter like well, what species are you kind of scouting for? And it kind of walks you through a little bit of a startup when you go out. And uh, you know it'll ask you know like you can draw a little area, you can kind of rate that area, and then you know if you log like a site and okay, I saw a couple deer over here. You know you can every event has like a little button that says note. And if you hit that note button, that's where you would be able to add text notes, like just free text, you know, like write something up, like, here's what I saw. Here's blah, blah, blah. Or you could take a video or you could add a picture or you can, you know, just take an audio recording. Like if you're not one to type something, you can just push it and, and record something and it'll log it with that sighting. Now you don't have to do any of that. Like the simplest thing would be to like click the sighting button and then it'll just open up a page and it'll ask you, you know, how many bucks, how many does, or like if you were unsure, like what would you see? And you can put a number in and then push submit. And when you push submit, you can enter as much or as little information as you want with any like event. You know, like if you just want to be quick, click sighting, click submit. And all that's going to do is it's going to log the time 
within the hunt log and it's going to record the location of where you're at when you had that sighting. Um, but every event is going to be logged to like time, location, and it's all like listed in chronological order. So it just keeps everything really organized. And if you forget to log something, you can go back into that hunt journal and there's a little button at the bottom that says add event and it'll take you back in and you can, you can put, you, you know, you can enter a new note or you can enter something and then adjust the time back in the hunt log to like fit it in where it fit within the, within the context of the day. So a lot of flexibility with the different notes and the different ways that you can log information. Uh, and that, that takes care of a guy things. not wanting to have his phone in his hand, you know, at that moment, right? The, totally. the ability to, you know, kind of rewind that, that clock there. Yeah. Cause you know, the last thing I want to do is pull somebody out of the hunt where they think journaling is more important than the experience. It's like, no, like, but there, there's definitely times where you're in the experience, you know, you might be sitting up on a hillside and you're glassing and you see something and you're not making a move on it right away. Like that's a great, like typically in that moment, like I'm logging that in my phone, you know, like what I saw, where I saw it, you know, there's, there's two different map views, you know, you can kind of get a satellite view or like a topo view. You just hit like this little eye button, look an icon and it'll just kind of switch between them. You know, if you're going to go into an area where you don't have cell signal, which is oftentimes where you're hunting out West, um, you know, you, you do need to, similar to Onyx or any other map system that you use, you know, you need to download offline maps before you head out to that area. So, you know, don't, you, you'll still get GPS coordinates, but you won't be able to see where you're at in reference to those coordinates if you don't download those things ahead of time. So I should say that, you know, I think most people are accustomed and understand that's the way it works, but just in case you're new to this, I don't want you to get out there and get frustrated because the map features aren't working the way you'd hoped. You know, you do need, if you're going to, if you haven't downloaded the apps, you need to be in a cell service area or a data area. If you have not, you know, download it before you go. And uh, the whole app is designed to work in airplane mode offline, you know, so that you can get a couple days out of a single charge on your phone. You know, you should be able to use the Hunt League app and get three or four days without killing your battery and it has it has a tracker on it as well right because that's one of the things with with onyx that that i've enjoyed um is being able to track those steps and drop those you know drop those waypoints and now yeah you know here comes hunt league with that ability um and the fact that you're able to journal take a picture put it right there in that um yeah so I, I think and, combining and you it can, with you can make like I think there's like fifty or something or probably even more because you can kind of double your you can toggle a success like if you log a success in the in the map or in the within the app it'll turn to gold so you'll have like the the typical colors like a blue deer and then if you have a success it'll be like a gold deer you know so you could go back in and mark where you were successful in, in years past but there's probably somewhere between like fifty and eighty different kinds of waypoints that are just like your normal stuff, everything from like, you know, different types of stands or I parked my ATV or truck or camp or tent or backpack, or I left my boots. Cause sometimes you'll take your boots off to like walk somewhere. And I, I had a hunt maybe four years ago where a guy took off his boots and we had to spend about an hour and a half looking for his boots because <laughs> he was, he put a stock on an animal. And we couldn't find his boots, you know? So it's like being able to just mark something like that pretty quick. It, 
can actually be more important than you think. Uh, oh, I learned I've learned that lesson. <laughs> yeah, it's, it is no fun trying to hike a mountain without boots. Um, but um, you know, you've got a lot of options. And then if you just wanted to add a custom picture, like I'm just going to take a picture and add this. You know, you can kind of create any. You, you can just add something to make your own waypoint. Um, you know, just just take a photo from your. You can either use a from your photo library, or you can take a photo there in that environment, and it'll just log that as the icon for where you're at. So, those are nice. And you know, you mentioned you mentioned uh, Onyx, and you mentioned you know, there's other there's other hunting apps. And here's the deal: I kept I, honest, honestly, I didn't ever. I'm not an app designer. I'm not an app builder. That's not my trade, and it's not my passion. Hunting is my passion. Community is my passion. You know, doing, you know, doing what I'm doing with the app, you know, that connects to my passion. And honestly, I, I kind of waited for a couple of years, hoping somebody would kind of develop something like this. And I tried a couple different hunting journals that existed online and in the app store, downloaded a few of them. It just, they just fell short. They didn't do exactly what I wanted them to do. And I just, I kind of gave up on it. And I, I kind of got to the point where I threw my hands up and said, look, I'm just going to build it. You know, like I don't, you know, like I love Onyx. I have a subscription. I pay it every year and I'll continue to use it for people that need to know landowner boundaries and need to know the names of, you know, landowners. That's an important part for me out hunting in Colorado. I hunt a lot of wilderness and national forest and Onyx really doesn't do anything for me other than being able to log waypoints, but I can do that with any GPS device. I can do it with my inReach. I can do it, you know, on other apps within my phone. Um, you know, I can create those flags, but just marking waypoints doesn't necessarily give me the data points that I want or be able to reference back. Like sometimes I'll come back from a hunt and have a bunch of stuff marked, but either I didn't do a good job with the naming of the waypoint or I, or I left some info out. And it has just left me wanting. So the Hunt League app kind of combines a few of those things where you can just put in a lot more information. But if you want it just as a GPS device to log where you set up base camp, where you saw something, it'll do a fantastic job of that and probably give you something even a little more. So, yeah, I'm, like I said, man, I'm excited for that. That that data collection um, is going to be huge now. Well, I guess, yeah, if you can add it. So, you know, if you have a camera out, you can waypoint that camera. If you want to throw a couple pics on, you know, from that camera, I guess you would just, you know, get them over to your phone um, and peel them yeah. in that way, right, from the gallery. So I kind of yeah, like the question I was going after. I've been carrying, I just I just upgraded my camera this year, but my the, my camera last year or the previous couple of years was, was a Canon that had like a built-in Wi-Fi where I could actually pull pictures straight from that and add it into my phone and then be able to upload it. A thing that, you know, like if, if somebody really wants great photos and they want to put that in with it, feel free to like come back to the house, download those photos on your computer. You can doctor them up in Photoshop, you know, you can zoom in, crop the image, whatever, send it back to your phone and you'll be able to, you know, all you have to do if you've logged something and you want to add information later, like let's say you logged a sighting, you saw these, like last year I went on a scouting trip and saw the, you know, I think I mentioned it earlier, there, there were four just magnificent bulls. Um, I've got a couple photos that, you know, I, I think I may have posted or shared just incredible bulls. And, uh, 
But if I, if I didn't have that in my phone at the time, I can log the sighting and put that information in. But then later, I can go and just swipe. It. Like if I swipe from right to left on an event, like within it, like here's a sighting or here's something, it'll give me an option to either delete that event or edit that event. And if I push edit, it'll take me into that and I can add notes. I can change what I wrote. I can swap out the picture. Like I might use a reference photo while I'm in the field. And then put a nicer photo in later if I wanted to. You know, you have a lot of flexibility there with the types of events and those things. So some of the so when you slide over, you get to that menu. You have map, hunt logs, community. There's the the leaderboard. Uh, you got your safe. So I'm assuming that's your weapons. Um, yeah. Gear settings, feature request, um, and then just some some legal in the logout. Um, so, I mean, you, I don't know what it's missing. I mean, I could see the species <laughs> thing going on and on, but. Yeah, species. I've got all your major North American species in there. You know, like if you want to, if you want to hunt pigs or javelina, ducks, sandhill crane, pheasant, dove, quail, grouse, turkey, you know, I mean, you go through the list and, you know, all of your majors are covered. I, you know, there's even a lot of your miners. I've got, I think I've got beaver, I've got alligator, I've got, you know, if somebody says, well, that's not minor for them. You know, if you're in Florida or there's a guy in Texas that posted something on the community page of a really beautiful alligator, you know, like to those guys, that's, you know, that's their passion. So mm -hmm. I want to include those things. And that's where like, you know, Arctic Rob sent me that, could you add muskox? And it's like, Yeah. I can, you know, it'll take me a little while. I've got like bison, I've got moose, you know, bighorn sheep, mountain goats, some of those things, you know, you may only get to hunt once in your lifetime. Um, you know, if you're going through the draw system. So some of the stuff that I, you know, if you, if you're saying what doesn't it include, you know, someday soon I'll include weather information, you know, so that'll, that'll be in there. I'm just kind of waiting before I build out the Android version. So if you're listening you know, the Hunt League app is only available on iOS right now. Uh, if you download it, you can download it for free. You get one species for free. I've kind of made it where there's a lot of workarounds with the free user. Your limitations are you only get one species that is your primary that you can add a hunt or go on a scout with. But the cheat system, if you're wanting to log stuff or add waypoints, is just use it to, to add notes. And then you can go back in and... Uh, you know, your map, you can still log all the different species that you might see. Like, even if you're within a hunt or within a scout, at any point, if you just, from the main, like, hunt page or scout page, if you swipe from right to left, it'll bring up your map page. And then you can just choose different icons, you know, so you can choose whatever you want. Like, I, I don't want it to be restrictive. Um, I did make, there's a premium membership. And part of that is just because I've spent a premium amount of time and money on money. this. And, uh, <laughs> and, and my wife is asking, when is this going to stop? And does this ever pay for itself? And, you know, the answer is, is realistically, I don't think so. Like, I don't think I didn't, I didn't design it to pay for itself, but I do think like as people use it and, and enjoy the features of it and want to help contribute to it, I think that's, you know, that certainly helps my family and helps kind of fuel the passion and helps my wife from uh, putting the brakes on so hard. So at some point, it'd be great to have some people subscribe to it. But uh, that's not even my primary. Everybody that's downloaded the app, I've unlocked 
all the features because I just want him to test it. I want him to use it. And so at this point, if you're listening to this podcast, download the Huntley app on an iOS device, share it with your friends, get your buddies on it, and then just send me an email, jnew, it's J-N-E-W, it's for Jared Newman. So jnew at huntleague.com. And if you send me an email and just say, hey, I heard your podcast on Western Contours, you know, I love what you're doing, Zap, I'm listening, you know, like send me a note and, uh, and just know like, look, I'll unlock that for you. I want to give you access to it. You know, so I'll keep that kind of offer open through the whole 2019 season. So, you know, refer your friends, tell, send me a note. I don't have a promo code or something you could enter. So just send me an email and uh, you say, hey, I heard this on Western Contours. Would you unlock the app for me? And uh, absolutely. I'll do it for you. You'll have it. And I'll say not just the 2019 season. When I think of a season, I, I take that all the way into the spring because if you're hunting duck or some of those things. So we'll, we'll take it into, into next summer for, of the 2020 year. So if you're a bear hunter or something like that, you know, you'll have it through that yeah. time. Man, that's awesome. I, uh, I can't see anybody start using it and then go back to not using it. I, I, I pretty much guarantee anybody uses thing is going to be happy. I mean, just from my little experience with it, man. Um, so yeah. I was going through it some more and looking at it. So I went to, uh, to the map icons, right? So we drop a waypoint and I mean, there's the thing has every, oh, change icon dummy. Um, you know, transportation base camp, what kind of base camp is it? Right. Stands. Um, I mean, your glass, you got trail camera. There's just everything. I mean, there's definitely a lot of thought has gone into it. And there was something else I noticed right now flipping through. I just messed up. Uh, well, there, there is a few, you know, the, the map features, I'm still working pretty heavily on it. There's a couple things that somebody's like, man, why is that missing? You know, and a big, for instance, of that would be, I don't have, uh, I don't have tracking in there right now. And it's like, well, why, why wouldn't you have tracking? Like, that's such a common thing. And part of my reason initially was because of what that does to my battery. As a backcountry hunter, I just, you know, it's like, man, that really just kills it for me. And I, I was like, I'll be able to log whatever I want when I'm doing this. But I do think like, you know, th- as a backcountry hunter too, you know, people have solar battery packs. They, they bring in things to charge their devices on the go that, you know, that's becoming more and more common. So you know, we will have some updated features to be able to measure, to be able to plot your course, to be able to, you know, draw lines around things. So that those features are coming, you know, but, uh, as far as just logging your location, GPS measuring, like how far, you know, from my location to this waypoint, like how far is that, you know, it'll tell you in miles and yards, meters, you know, whatever you need. Like one, one of the actual features that I really love, and I don't, I don't think you've messed around with this, but if you, you know, if you don't want to save something in the app, you push the go button and then there's an explore option. And the explore option lets you like see what every species would look like because every species logs things a little bit differently. Um, you know, like what information is included. Like some of them will have that like CDSB. Some of them don't. Some of them have this. Some of them don't. You know, some of it, it's like, I don't have like a blood trail in for like a duck. That's just not a common thing. You don't, you're not really blood trailing a duck or a goose, but you have that for deer, bear, elk, moose, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but, uh, 
when you go to the siding, there's actually a feature called locate animals like in that. And it's one of the things like last year I had a situation where I couldn't get the range on a, on an elk that was, that was, that was further away than my range finder would pick up. And with that locate animals, I, I push it and then I can push like, you know, I call it like compass mode where whichever way your phone is facing, you know, the map is kind of spinning according to whichever way you're facing. So whichever way you're facing, like the map is like, that's the top of the map. Um, and so like this past year, I was in a situation where I glassed up, there was about eight or nine cows over on a hillside and there was a bull and they were all kind of bedded down. And I just pointed my phone in that direction. I looked at it on a satellite and I could make out like, okay, here's a feature, here's a feature. So they're right here. I dropped that waypoint and, uh, on the locate animals and it put, it put the location. When I did that, it told me how far away those animals were from me. And as I got closer to that location, you know, where I had dropped that waypoint was within 50 yards. The distance, everything was within like, within like 50 yards of where, you know, I'd seen them from like, a long way away, you know, and you can do that. Like I had a glassing experience, you know, where I saw elk, they were over seven miles away, you know, which is just crazy. You're barely making something out. But it's like, no, that's, that, those are elk on that hillside. Right. And you know, you don't have a, you don't have a range finder that's going to let you know that. But if you used this app and you push that locate animals in your glassing, you know, you could, you could go, okay, which way am I facing? What are they around? And you could kind of lock your screen, drag something, drop it. And it will show you, you know, within a few yards, like what the distance is to that animal, you know, which is pretty cool. Heck yeah. Um, yeah, go ahead. I mean, that, that I was, yeah, I didn't want to interrupt that thought, but that's a big deal, right? And you start hitting some of that terrain you locate them, you start making your way to them uh, finger ridges, you know, getting to the bottom of a drainage or something. And you're trying to make that, you know, okay, now I'm this close. Okay. I'm online. I mean, that's perfect, man. Especially to know that yeah. distance, right? Seven miles or two miles that, uh, that, that Delta of five miles, you may <laughs> say, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going after them bad boys. Yeah. That that's a non-pursuit. You know, that may be the next day if I hike out, you know, and we had a situation, uh, you know, this is 2015 hunt. I was back with one of the guys that I hunted with for years. He grabbed his range finder, ranged the bull. He ended up missing shooting over its back because he ranged, you know, he thought it was 60 yards and it was 40. And he, you know, arrow sailed. We have it all on video. It's a great video. Uh, if you want to email me, I'll send you the video. <laughs> you can kind of see what that looks like. But uh, he, uh, in the process of everything, he dropped his, he dropped his, uh, range finder right there and didn't, uh, he didn't know, you know, we, we walked away, didn't know where it was. And later I kept saying like, Hey, let's go back and get your range finder. Cause you're going to need it. And he was so mad. Of, he just said that range finder's broken. Like, I don't even want it. You know, but he was so frustrated. He left it. Like we, we kind of tried to go back, but we left it. I ended up watching that video over again. And I was like, you know what? He's right beside this kind of small pine tree when he was kneeling down, taking that range. And, uh, I went back two years later 
and found his rangefinder and found the arrow that he shot. Oh, dang. all because of that old video. And I'm like, but if he would have logged that in the in the app, like I took a shot from here, even if I missed, you know, you can log what was the distance, what happened, was there wind, were you shooting uphill, were you shooting downhill? You can log all that information. If he would have sat there and pulled out his phone and like logged that in that in real time, like he would have been able to go back. Where was that shot? And and he could have found his gear right where he left. Right. You know, and it's like that's sometimes the importance. And if you've hunted for very long, you've realized like sometimes you drop something. Like I've had that happen where I've gotten hot, I've peeled off some layers. In the process of that, I was wearing some lanyards that had some elk calls on it. Lost my lost my elk calls. You know, like I, I had a diaphragm, but I lost, you know, like two or three calls because I had, you know, stripped down some layers and failed to pick it up from the ground. And it's like in certain situations, you know, where you might log something, because usually you're stopping in an area of interest. So, you know, it's like, you know, you're, you're there's a rub or there's something that's like, man, you know, while I'm here, let me take this off. So, and a lot of times those are places that you might make a note naturally. And then uh, that note would help bring you back to a place that maybe you left something valuable. I saw that on a born and raised episode last year where I think Trent left a, uh, left a pistol somewhere, you know, like that's a big deal that you don't want to, you don't want to leave on the mountain. Leave that out there. Yeah. I I have an apex hoodie somewhere in Wyoming. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So you know the pain of it. Oh man. At at 230 some odd dollars for a freaking hoodie. um, Yeah. You know, it, uh, I just couldn't, I couldn't backtrack it, man. We're following blood and I wasn't marking on the, uh, on the app that I was using as much as I should have been kind of just, you know, putting clips on the trees and, uh, yeah, never found that thing, man. It bummed me out and lost my dag of milk. No, my, we, we lost a, a, two years ago, we lost a quiver, fell off the bow and just, and we couldn't find it. We looked forever, you know, and I, I had just bought, I was, it was a friend that was using one of my bows. I had just bought new arrows and cut them for him, had everything set up. You know, it's like you lose a quiver with five arrows, you know, and you got three broadheads and a couple like small game points on it. It's like, that was 250 bucks. It's a bummer. So, yeah, so I'm excited, man. Um, I'm excited to use the app. I'm excited to get it out there, man. Hopefully people jump on it. And one of the things I want to mention is one of the features that you're working on, uh, the icon is there, um, is stands. So the guys that aren't hunting out west, uh, maybe Midwest, back east, that are, you know, stand hunting, um, that feature you're working on as well. Yeah, that's going to be big because if you're sitting in a stand and you're logging what you're seeing or you take a shot from here or you're successful here, it, currently as it is, you know, those those events would kind of stack up on top of each other and your map would kind of end up getting cluttered, especially if it's a place that you hunt year over year. And so the idea of like entering a stand is like, no, when you start logging that, all that information is going to be tied to that stand. So you'll have a really clean map, but you'll still have all the information. You don't know when you saw something, where you saw something, you know, the app was really kind of designed for kind of the Western hunter who's covering a lot of ground like initially, but I realized too, like even within an area that maybe you hunt year over year, I'm combining kind of stand and area in kind of a similar category. So I can, if I'm out on a hunt, I'll be able to just say like, I'm in this area and it'll start tying all of, 
all of those events and all those locations to that stand or that area. So it'll keep your map uncluttered. However, we're going to keep it recording the specifics of where you logged it. Because if you're in an area and, you know, like an area could be large, like you might be in a half mile radius. Like when you log something, I still want that specific GPS location to be preserved. And so that specific event will still be logged into that. So if you wanted to go into your hunt log and click, where was that? It'll still show you the specifics of where that happened, but on your map, uh, and you'll be able to see it on your map from within the hunt log. You can go through that way versus going on your map. Uh, there, there'll be a way to kind of, there'll be a, like a little toggle where it'll say like show all icons and like everything would pop up and that's where you'd have a lot of clutter, but then you could have like hide the stand icons and all those things would go away and you would just see your stands and areas. Good. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm a, uh, again, I'm going to keep hitting that. I'm excited to uh, put this to you. So. Yeah, I, I I'm thankful, you know, I mean, I think there's going to be, you know, you're not going to see this marketed. I'm not going to start marketing or pushing this out. And even when I do, it's going to be limited because it's just, you know, how much I want to fund it. And to be honest, I love building things. I hate marketing things. So, you know, if you're listening and you love marketing, you know, come help me market this because <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't want to be a spokesperson. I don't want to be the face for Hunt League. I love talking about it. I love sharing it. I love the passion of it. But, you know, it was never really my interest to like run an outdoor company or be the face of something. So, uh, you know, marketing may be limited on it, but it doesn't mean that the product doesn't work or isn't some, you know, like people may look at it and say, well, there's not many downloads. There's not very many people on it. And I'm like, you know, I just encourage you like, Hey, get give this it. thing a look because I think uh, I think once you get on it and you explore it and spend a little bit of time on it, I don't think you'll ever go back. Like I think it's, you know, I think it's got what you want to take. I mean, it's a field tool that I think you're going to get a lot of use out of through the years. Absolutely. I mean, that was you know, that was kind of how I fell into it, right? I think you put a comment and I uh, jumped on and I said, "Well, what is it?" And I looked and I was like, "Oh shoot, man!" I, I think a couple hours, and uh, yeah, I was hooked. <laughs> <laughs> well you, you're one of the guys that was willing to take a risk and explore something so i know some guys like if they haven't heard of it or haven't seen it on a hunting show they just kind of think you know well it must not be any good not you know it's like man if i could help reframe that for some people and say hey you know this is something that you haven't heard of but i think it's pretty good you know so check it out yeah it's it's a really good tool man so um one thing that i uh I told you I added to uh, our, our bullets here um, that I want to try and I just think it's fun, man. Um, and it's my podcast, so yeah, <laughs> I can add stuff. Sort of like it's the your app party, there. do what you yeah. want. Yeah. So, uh, real quick, man, um, dream hunt and and why? Oh, wow! You know, I think. Uh, there, there's definitely something about, you know, and I probably have to narrow it down to like one because, you know, it's like there's something about a sheep or a, like a bighorn sheep or a goat tag that that is like it has my attention, you know, in a special way where it's like I, you know, I've been applying for 
I don't know, seven years, 10 years, something like, I think I have seven weighted points. Um, and it's an absolute dream to draw that. And I, I plan like when I draw, if I draw, you know, I'm just kind of praying that I draw it while I'm young enough to still be able to hike those mountains and get to those areas. Um, you know, I'm, I'm right on the cusp of 40 and, uh, that's, you know, some of those things is like, they are where sheep live and where goat live. I mean, that's some tough country. Um, and so I think, I think that's kind of my dream. Like, so a couple years ago, I got invited on a really like fancy hunt, you know, like, and it was an 80,000 acre trophy bull elk, you know, that kind of hunt, uh, down in New Mexico. And I went, my dad had a tag and this, and one of his friends and I, I got to go and kind of just be on it. Uh, I, I, it's something that like, if I wanted to pursue getting a tag there, I probably could, but it's kind of one of those hunts where you kind of drive around and you look at the lay of the land and, uh, you know, you kind of size up a bull and say, yes, do I want it or no. And I'm not saying that there's anything against any type or style of hunting, like, but there's something about that, that like, that might be somebody's dream hunt. Like I want to go shoot a 350 or 400 inch bull. And like, that's, that's where that kind of hunt is going to happen. But honestly, like that doesn't feed what's inside of me to like get out there. That That's just not my thing. So like, if you're asking me what my thing is, and I, I kind of mentioned this early with like the mentoring thing, it's like that I beat my body, make my slave. Like I want the toughest hunt. And I want to go to the, to the most remote areas because there's something about those wild areas that releases something in me. And there's something about that where like, I find myself, it does something to my soul. It changes me from the inside out. I experience God. I experience the land. I experience the animals in a new way. And I'm like, that's what, you know, that's my dream would be probably a sheep or a goat hunt, you know, just and, and making me work for every step of it. <laughs> so, so, um, conservation quick, man. Um, you know, the drill. So, you know, yeah. One, two minute, 30 second, whatever it is, whatever that means to you. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think at some level, I, I kind of said it where it's taking people out and it's teaching people to value the land because as soon as they value the land, they'll protect it. Um, and to me, that is conservation. You know, it's taking care of the land. It's taking care of the animals. It's not letting these things slip away for future generations. Even the idea of the Huntley Gap, it's, it's really designed with kind of that legacy in mind. It's like, build your hunting legacy, record your hunting legacy. Don't, don't go to the grave with all these incredible experiences. Don't be selfish about it and not share that knowledge, share that information with other people. I understand protecting a honey hole. I understand protecting an area. And I'm not saying you need to show everybody where that is or take people there. But at some level, you know, make sure that the information that you have, maybe you don't share that until you feel like you're too old to get back into those areas, you know, but for goodness sakes, record that stuff and pass that to the next generation. Because I think as we teach young people, and I'm not even going to say young people, you know, as we, there's a lot of people that are thirties and forties and fifties that are friends of mine. I took a 60 year old on his first ever elk hunt, uh, four years ago 
on a rifle hunt. We did an over the counter and he got to experience something that was incredible. And it's like, you know, taking people and letting them share those experiences. There's an element to me that that's the greatest way that we can kind of promote conservation. You know, like I do think at some level, like the RMEF motto, a motto of like hunting is conservation. I think conservation is certainly more than hunting, but I think hunting is a valuable part of conservation because it teaches people to value the land. Good deal. I always love those. Yeah, but I'm biased, right? Just to hear the different perspective, you know, I just, yeah, it's awesome. It opens your eyes, man. More and more I hear them, the, you know, my definition of it grows um, exponentially every single time, man. So uh, anything in closing, man, anything you want to get out there? How do people get a hold of you? Yeah. All that good stuff. No, I mean, I, I, I just can't thank you enough. I mean, again, this is my first time to, you know, like my wife is the one that told me I should get an Instagram account. I'm not on social media very much. I think I created a hunt league account last year. I might have like a hundred people following and I don't even really know how to, again, like marketing, social media, that's not my thing. Um, but, uh, you know, like, so to have an opportunity where it's like, I have no idea how you heard about this, but taking a risk on somebody that like, I know nobody's heard of me as a hunter or the app, but I just appreciate you taking the time to kind of, to be willing to give an episode of this. Cause I, I don't feel like, you know, I'm one of those people that, yeah, sure. Nobody knows my name, but I do believe like I've got a lot of stories. I've got a lot of knowledge. I've got a lot of information. I got a lot of stuff that, you know, I want to share with the world around me. So I just appreciate you giving me a platform, give me an opportunity to kind of share some of my story, share the app. And, you know, my, my prayer, my hope is that, you know, that this will be, that, that the app will be a blessing to hunters, you know, and, and I'll just tell you this. I told you like if people use the Western Contour, send me an email at jnew at huntleague.com. You know, they can reach me, I'll unlock it. You know, in future years, you know, if, if somebody's ever, they can't justify, you know, the $15 to, to unlock the league pass, you know, or, or they're struggling. I understand that. I was a youth pastor for years and couldn't have spent $15 on, on anything. And it's like, if that's you, shoot me an email year over year and just say, hey, you know, I'm tight again. Would you be willing to kind of sponsor me or let me roll with this? And, uh, you know, my heart is to see more hunters in the field, to see you guys value this. I'd love to see more people using the app, sharing it with friends, you know, so if you'll be, you know, if you're out there listening, you want to be an ambassador for the Huntley Gap, help me market it, help me push it. I'd appreciate anything you do there. And, you know, I'll certainly help you and unlock anything with that the app has, you know, and kind of give that to you as a way to just say thank you for, you know, being an ambassador and friend of Hunt League. Here come the, here's the flood. <laughs> <laughs> Man, you know, there's a part of me that's nervous about it. There's a part of me that says, you know, I'm not even really ready for it. We don't have the Android out. I'm sorry to half the listeners that are sitting there on an Android app being, being frustrated. Android is in the works, but I'm waiting till I kind of dial in the iOS. and I'm, I'm in my closing kind of features of getting that ready. And as soon as I kind of feel like, okay, I've got the stands, I've got these areas, I've got these other pieces, some of those finishing touches, then I'm going to get busy on Android. And uh, I'm hoping 2020, you know, you'll have that available for use. Um, yeah. yeah. So the iOS users, I 
would almost guarantee that uh, you will not be disappointed with this app just from my use. So there's my my plug for it, and I'll be using it this season, man. Jared, I appreciate the time. I'm excited to use the app. I thank you for getting on, man. It was a no-brainer once I started getting into it. I had to have you on. Well, man, <laughs> you win. Hey, you'll you'll be the guy that forever kind of like, man, I was the first to break this. Like, you're, yeah. you're that guy. So, uh, thank you. Um, yeah, you know, absolutely. and if you're listening to and you got some fun pictures, you want to share some success stories in the field, you know, on the home screen of the app, you know, we'll kind of slide some stuff. So, I'm going to add a, a, a nice shot or two of you guy, you know, so the people can see some of your trophies along the way. But, uh, you know, send, send me those and, you know, I'll be changing those out, swapping those out. You know, I'd love to feature your stories as part of the community thing uh, within the app. So. Yeah, I appreciate that, man. Good yeah. deal, brother. Well, I wish you the best this season, man. Wish you the best with the app. And, uh, yeah, we'll get some folks on board with that. And, uh, yeah, thanks again, man. Absolutely. Ton of fun. Appreciate it, guy. We'll be in touch. Yes, sir. Head over to the App Store and download the Hunt League app for your iOS device. And make sure you guys follow Hunt League on Instagram at Hunt League. Thank you for listening. Follow and tag us on Instagram at Western Contours. Jump on iTunes, Google Play, and Podbean. Subscribe, leave us a comment, and don't forget to hit that five-star rating. We appreciate the support, and until next time, lay them down.